Well, are you guys ready to, to kick this off? Let's do it. All right. Well, all right. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is episode number 37 of the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Flatirons Tuning. And today we've got with us uh, Ryan from DSX Motorsports, Tasso from OTC Racing, and Scotty from uh, somewhere out in the wild. Maybe, maybe in the back of the shop. Who knows? Hey, hey. Yes. So for this episode, uh, geez, we're, we're recording this right about the middle of July. And last weekend was a big weekend for pretty much everybody else on the podcast other than myself. And uh, that's what we wanted to talk about. So I don't know what you guys do. You guys want to talk about the hill climb first or about the, uh, the NASA track day? Well, we, we know Tasso is dying to talk about it. So go ahead, Tasso. All right, let's, let's do it. That's so Tasso. True. So what, what, what event was this? What, this is the Continental Divide uh, hill climb, but wh where is it held? Tell us a little bit about the event. Yep. Um, so it was because of a cancellation, uh, the second event of the year for the Colorado Hill Climb Association's uh, championship series. Um, hold on. You guys got someone walking into your shop here. <laughs> and I'm up front, so apparently I got to deal with this. Well, just just call one of the guys. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'll be right back. Hold on. All right. All right. Oh my. Uh oh. Trouble. Is it one of the guys, or is he just uh, he just hasn't adapted to the ignore everything yet? He hasn't adapted to the ignore everything yet. Yeah. <laughs> Do not put Tasso, Tasso, Tasso customer here. facing. Uh, uh, Tasso's over there making money for the flat iron might, parents you know, like, podcast. If I, if I get a paycheck, uh, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> sure. I guess for people that don't know, I am not an employee of Flatirons Tuning, so I have no business being at their counter. Um, anyway, so event number two of the championship. Um, the first event I made it to this year um, because of, uh, you know, I had some stuff I had to take care of, family stuff uh, on the actual first event. Um, so the Continental Divide Hill Climb um, is in Monarch, Colorado, uh, near Monarch Pass, uh, west okay. of uh, it's up, uh, the event itself starts at like nine or 10,000 feet and raises up to tree line. Um, so it's pretty high. I think it's the highest altitude. Um, it's on, it's a forest service road that's used by a mining company. Um, and so it's a really weird surface. It's really tight. It's almost a two track more than a road. Um, really uh like the surface is like a crushed quartz or something like that so it's like moon dust at times um they water it and do the best they can but it's kind of a shorter steeper um a handful of straightaways kind of separated by uh by some switchbacks um but uh it's an event that we've always had mechanical trouble at in the past um we've burnt up coil packs we've had fueling issues and so we've had to work through a lot of our uh, fuel slosh stuff because it's so steep um, and you're using so much fuel and and, all that. and we're always trying to run a low fuel load as possible to keep the car light um, you know also I mean, we blew our last motor up there so it was our first event in exa almost exactly two years because it's the event that we blew up at two years ago and then COVID happened and stuff so back and um had to brush some cobwebs off i haven't raced anything be it two or four wheeled actually no lemons lemons racing in the meantime but that's a different mindset you know so um 
had to get back in the groove of things, really had to shave some cobwebs off and, and sort my shit out. Um, cause I was driving like a fool at first. Um, and then ended up having a successful weekend. So it was a good time. Well, yeah, and, some yeah. of the pictures and video I saw coming out of that dude were so dope. Like there's that one, like right-hander switchback. And that guy was literally just getting pelted with rocks. He like held in as long as he could. And he's like, Fuck. Yeah. yeah. So that's Lori Brady that took that video. Um, shout out to Lori. She's a longtime hill climber herself. She drives a open wheel car. Um, her husband, husband drives and kid now drives and everything like that. So she just happened to be spectating that run in the right place at the right time. And in that corner, I'm coming in on boost and second gear all the way around a switchback. So even though I'm down to, I don't know what, in the corner, the wheel speed is still near 60. Uh, so I'm chucking rocks out of that corner. <laughs> it's a good time. So, but, but yeah, so it's two mile course. Uh, and we did it in two minutes and six seconds. So that's an average speed of almost 60 miles an hour. And considering there's, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, five switchbacks and then a couple straightaways, um, you know, we, we hit a top speed of probably 110-ish, somewhere in there. So a lot of, you know, slow speeds and high speeds and digging out of corners and, and stuff, and a really tight road. You know, there's there's points where you couldn't get two cars past each other you know, no matter how hard you tried or drove one into the hillside. So, so well, and, and the surface looked from, from the, your in-car, it looks pretty loose. Like, yeah, like, it's super loose. Um, last year they put a new base in on the, on the road, uh, a new base in on the road. Um, so it's better than it has been in the past, um, but it's still not even as good as like your normal forest service road, uh, much less a dirt road in terms of the, you know, how hard the road is. It's faster, um, which is why, you know, we saw records come down in the last two years. Um, but it's uh, it's still, uh, it's a pretty loose road. It's, yeah. I'm glad it is. It makes it fun to drive. Um, you know, it's not always fastest to drive loose, but when the road is loose, then you can go ahead and drive like a dummy. <laughs> Throw lots now, of rocks out. Yeah. Now, you, you got to really test your grit against the Evos this weekend right yeah dave kern Giannis dances i don't even know all the evos right yeah so there were three other evos in our class uh dave and allison kern uh Giannis dances and his co-driver brian cather and then uh peter's lamini in a sweet old i don't know if it's an old group a car or what it's badass it's an old evo something you know that wasn't normally available here kind of thing but it's like andy leg capable and it's badass and he had uh will mcdonald co-driving for him and Will's also really fast driving. These are all fast guys in their own right um, that drive. And the Kearns especially are, are never, um, never a force to be underestimated. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they chased problems all weekend. Um, it was kind of cool being the only Subaru in what is normally a, a Subaru-saturated world, the rally world, you know. Um, so we're the only ones flying that, that flag. So Subaru, if you're listening um, – you know, what's up, help me out. But, you know, the Mitsubishis were, <laughs> the, the Mitsubishis were, were coming hard and heavy. And there's even a, you know, a Porsche there too, in a different class. Um, this was were, Jeff, Jeff's Wart. Jeff's Wart and his emotion engineering prepped GT3 cup car or yeah. whatever, right? Um, badass car, sequential, full flat floor, aero, um, 
I guess he did some suspension work to get it to work on gravel and he couldn't run anything below an 18 inch tire or 18 inch wheel. Oh. Um, had to be on a snow tire the whole time. And somehow he didn't get, I mean, he was amazed even he didn't get a flat. Um, so, you know, a fun weekend, a lot of, uh, you know, not only literal horsepower, but kind of figurative horsepower in the rally classes. So, um, it was a nice tight racing. It was fun. And, you know, the, the Porsche set a record in his class. Um, but, you know, it's a major disadvantage not to have all four tires pulling at that place. Oh, yeah. So the, the all-wheel drive classes. We ended up taking uh, – Kern and I took first and second overall on the weekend. Um, uh, it doesn't always happen that, you know, the rally cars take overall because it's, it's just – you know, and some of the open wheel cars make so much power and those guys are drivers in their own right too, you know? So, um, so it doesn't always happen. Uh, you know, one or two fast guys didn't make it. One or two things came together for us and, uh, you know, we walked away with an overall win, a class win, a fastest qualifier overall and, uh, and the official record, um, for our class. That's and awesome. Quantify this, you know, to give credit where it's due. It's the official record. There is a faster time in a rally car in non-official class competition by one second. Um, so I still have that. I still have that rabbit in front of me that I'm chasing. Um, the car was capable of a undisputed record, but it just it wasn't there in, in my driving for the weekend to to make that last second up. So yeah, yeah. weekend though, had a good yeah. time. How how oh, close yeah. was the competition with like you and Kern and like how how much did you end up winning by? Really close. Um, you know, we are at we're in a pattern now where we kind of go back and forth and end up within a second of each other. So um, wow. it's good. I mean, I'm hoping for Giannis to catch right up in there too, and Peter and everybody. And if we're all just you know nailing it back and forth and just have an arms race of of rally cars would be my goal. I want to see all of us just pushing hard. And if we can, if we can all put together, if any one of us can put together a perfect weekend, that's the winner, right? Yeah. We're always chasing stuff and it's all about who can put together the best weekend. Um, but you know, it's, it's a good thing. It's positive, you know, I'm friends with all these guys too. And so it's a really fun, really fun environment to, to be pushing for stuff. So, um, well, I gotta let, I gotta let Nigel in this place now. So, Oh, oh man, man. Nigel. <laughs> the yeah, it's kind of kind of funny talking about uh, um Giannis. Giannis and I message each other quite a bit. He's like, Man, what does Tasso have done to that car? Like, I feel like I'm gonna have to put so much horsepower in this thing just to keep up. And I was like, Hell yeah, it's awesome to see that. Mm. You know, yeah, awesome yeah. to see see that going. I mean, Brad Ace no. too, but <laughs> specifically Giannis, yeah, he's like, dude, I it's just gonna be you just talking about how fast you were and how fast your car is. Yeah. Well, well flattering since uh since this is your first race since you put the car back together i mean maybe talk about some of the details that you changed from the last iteration to this iteration that maybe is what has kind of put put you up over the top or put you up a higher power yeah. uh, we we do make a little bit more power than the last iteration of the car it's the same pretty much the same spec of everything um but you know we have I mean, shit, last time the car had a boost leak and it doesn't anymore. So that could be it as much as anything. Um, but yeah, a little bit. Of, I had the chance 
with this motor, I've talked about this in the past because it's been two years. I mean, pretty much the whole time I've been podcasting, I've been broken down until this race. So, um, so yeah, I made like 40 more horsepower pretty much everywhere on the curve this time around just by like not having a boost leak, a slightly better cam, even other cheap cams. Um, I, you know, I ported my own heads. Uh, we got the um, cam timing dialed in a little bit better um, with those pulleys. If you've been listening or watching the YouTube and stuff, you remember the pulleys that we, uh, the lick pulleys that we put on the car, um, the eccentric ones to get the cam timing. We're not even on uh, adjustable cam pulleys at this point, but just, but just that much, maybe it makes a little bit of a difference. And this rotating assembly is dynamically balanced now because we had time and we didn't just slap it together with whatever parts we had to try and get it ready for a race. So um, makes for a really, and the car is lighter. Every time I work on the car, hopefully it ends up a little bit lighter. So it's, there's small increments now, but, um, you know, any amount of lightness helps a little bit. I mean, the power feels great. The tune felt great. I was fighting a little bit of a electrical issue all weekend, but that's not on anybody's plate, but my own, I just have my personally modified wiring harness to the motor is probably reaching the end of its, uh, useful life um oh boy so another thing to address right um but it's uh the car felt good all week i mean once i figured i had a tough saturday like i was sitting there like what the hell am i doing here like i don't even deserve to be driving here anymore this feels like shit like i'm doing bad like we had a run that was we caught up to a car in front of us that had spun so that scrubbed that run on saturday and Oh, I just, and so I had to just refocus on some fundamentals and just remember, um, you know, not to overdrive the car, to try and shift smooth. I was fighting misshifts all weekend even just because I think my clutch foot was just lazy. I was like, nah, I don't need to push that all the way in. It's fine, right? You know, and, but then, uh, you know, run into the synchro in the next gear and the synchro is like, I'm doing my best, man, but I don't, right? <laughs> and, and uh, so, but once I kind of settled myself down and uh, talked with, my wife and co-driver Abby, and she was like, you know, just quit fucking up, and you you got this. Right? Just, <laughs> you know, just do what you know how to do, and kind of recentered, focused on simple things. Hey, this run, I'm just gonna shift smooth and not break like a dumbass, right? Um, and and the times just started falling at that point, and able to to squeak one out. Still wasn't a perfect run. Still not an undisputed record, just just a, a you know technically official record. So uh, it's all right. We're gonna we got stuff to work on still, and um, but you know, there's always something. We got grid. It's always something. So there's always something. So, um, but grid life coming up will be they uh, uh, solidified that there will be a rally sprint like single elimination kind of bracket tournament thing. Um, so we're signed up for that, and hopefully, uh, I don't know, go out there and smash some competition and get ready because we're only like three and a half weeks or three weeks away from Land's End out in Grand Junction. So the, the competition train keeps on rolling. Yeah, the, these next handful of weeks, it's it's crazy how much is going on because, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, there's grid life, Land's End, yeah, just a yeah. whole bunch of stuff coming. Yeah. yeah, July well, has been just like a crazy month, just period. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's worth mentioning too, like, you know, so the, the run that you put up on YouTube, Tasso, that is that is the winning run? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And that's, 
that's uh, run two on you get two you uh, yeah two runs on Sunday is how the hill climbs work and your fastest time of the two. Um, so our run one on Sunday was actually our fastest run ever, our personal record on the course, um, and beat our qualifying time from Saturday as well by about a second. And then uh, like man can't can't sleep on Kern right? That guy always comes up with something out of his ass that's just fast as hell. So yeah. Um, so we went back up, knocked another second off, which is a good thing because Kern, in his second run, beat our first run time. So, so our runs just stacked up there in the 206, 207 range and ended up nice and tight. But the run on video on, uh, on YouTube, uh, the onboard, is our uh, run number two from Sunday, our fastest run and technically the, the current record run um, for a rally all-wheel drive class on that course. And... Uh, I was really happy with how the video turned out too. It was my first time using like that hyper smooth or whatever from GoPro. Um, so the camera's mounted, you know, on an arm sticking out from the roll cage X sticking forward in between our seats. And so it's, you know, a couple, it's like a foot to the right of what my eyes see, but otherwise it's pretty much what I see. Um, you know, and it, it follows the direction of travel. So like when the car is sliding, the camera keeps looking forward, so the car moves around in the shot kind of thing. So, so, I thought, I thought the video turned out really cool. I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, it's, it, it's wild that it took until the second day for it to really fall into place for you. But I mean, having, having close competition like that and somebody like Kern that's just like right on your heels the whole time. I mean, that's a hell of a motivator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't know, uh, you know, no disillusions here that uh, Kern is a on my heels kind of guy. I mean, we're, we're both like, face-to-face in the speed war right now so there's a uh, you know mad respect to that dude so well and you guys have had that battle for quite a few years right yeah rangely two years ago we ended up less than half a second off of each other um and then and there was actually a guy in between us so in a completely different in a utv of all things a nice turboed long travel utv um but but still it's uh those hill climbs don't sleep on that competition is tight you know so, it's fun to it's fun to be a part of. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, and I, I like just doing whatever we can to like get people more uh, or get people more awareness of them because it is just yeah. such such a good series and, and a lot of good racing that's going on out there. It's fun. It's cheap to do. It's it's cheap to watch. You can be right there. I mean, it's like the the person that took that video. I mean, so much of you know rally and stuff. The spectator points are all locked down because of spectator safety, right? Which is fair. I respect that. You know, it's it's needed. Uh, the hill climbs are still a little bit cowboyed up, so uh, you can still, you can still get out there and get peppered if you want to. And yeah. you know, please don't try and touch the cars. Um, you know, I'm not always as in control as it looks. So, um, like the the finishing flag guy at Monarch is right there, and he's always like trying to brush the car with the finishing flag. I'm like, dude, we're going 90 miles an hour at that point. What? Are you? And we're sliding. And the corner right after the finish is too tight for the finish. So you almost have to start braking before you finish for the corner after it. So it's, um, yeah, the, the hill climbs are great. Come out, watch. It's cheap. It's like $15 for a spectator ticket and kids under 12 are free. And you can roam around the pits and say hi to people. And, you know, you come see me. Hopefully I have some stickers for you. I'll give you some stickers or something like that. Show you around the car, take pictures, um, you know. It's a good experience for racers and for fans. So, well, and how many uh, competitors were there this weekend? Uh, we're a little lower um, 
attendance this weekend. So probably 40 to 50, maybe. Okay. So normally it's kind of closer to, I don't know, 60 to 70. Those are rough numbers. I don't know for sure. Um, but it's uh, those good stuff, good stuff to look at. And, uh, um, you know, good stuff in the pits and stuff like that too. Oh, I got to let somebody else in your, in your shop here real quick. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> the official doorman of flat Edge tuning is Tasso. Well, it was Tasso's doing that. Let's uh, let's maybe move on to the the other race that went on uh, this past weekend, which was out at Pueblo Motorsports Park. So Ryan, you and Scotty were both there for that one. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe so th- there was a there was a NASA event, and maybe just kind of you know tell tell everybody about what was what was going on. So I think the biggest thing I want to lead with is that I'm the time trials director, so I don't get to drive like all the time my most ideal situation or in ideal conditions, but I will lead with that. I did get to drive Jeanette supercharged BRZ again and compete in with her in the eight, six cup. She was driving in the TT sessions and I was driving in the DE three sessions and she only drove on Saturday and we finished 65 thousandths of a second different from each other. She beat me by 0.065 (laughs) seconds. So it's definitely It was definitely kind of a heartbreaker to, to lose by such a small margin. It was kind of funny because when she saw my time, I'd only seen my uh, time kind of like my predicted on my phone or whatever. And so I was like, ah, Jeanette got me by like a couple tents or whatever, you know. And, and I pull in and I'm like, yeah. She's like, I can't believe you. I'm like, what? She's like, I think you beat me. I'm like, what? And uh, so we had to look up at the time and we're literally counting the digits. I'm like, holy shit, like she beat me by 65 thousandths of a second. And neither of us went past her after that that day. But it was super cool to just have – I mean, we both drive so differently. It was so cool to have uh, um, the competition be so close between the two of us. So, I don't know. That was, like, I think the coolest thing for for us from a competition standpoint other than me getting to drive this guy's car, whichever direction he is. He's there for me, <laughs> guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so driving her car, like, is it, were there like setup things that kind of fit her driving style more and you had to kind of adapt to or, or I mean, like when I drive like anybody else's car, you're sitting in their seating position, like first and foremost. And, um, and so like her, she likes her seat, like really upright. So even with like my body shape and stuff, like I've gotten so used to the like how reclined the the super tight car is that that almost feels more natural to me. And I said in Jeanette's car, I feel like I'm like this, I'm like oh my god. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of that kind of getting used to like just to fit the fit in her car and stuff. I would say as far as setup goes, more than anything, I would say it'd be like a compromise between the two of us. She can't really explain exactly what she wants a hundred percent. And I can, and I've been like working with the car, trying to massage it, trying to get it into a spot where she's like, okay, I like that versus like, ah, I don't know if it's quite there yet. So, I mean, we did a whole test day at PPIR, <clears throat> play with alignment settings. And when I kind of had the car in a high caster setting, I liked it more than the set, way it's set up now. But the way it's set up now, which is like a lot more camber, um, the car I think suits her better and it's still easy enough for me to drive so it's definitely i think if there was any difference that would have that we could have seen is if we would have both driven in the same temperature conditions 
So I missed my first DE session because of uh, working and stuff with uh, uh, the TT group. So she got, I would say, a little, a slightly better driving conditions than I did. Not a huge difference because Pueblo was super nice this weekend. Um, but I mean, it might have just been that hair of a difference. I mean, 65,000 is pretty awesome. And even before when we did last year, or not last year, last time we went to Pueblo doing the same thing, I think she beat me by like a tenth. So if anything, I'm closing that gap a little bit. <laughs> Someday you'll catch up to her. Yeah, that's right. It's so different versus the uh, versus the super. I mean, the all-wheel drive cars. Like, almost have to remind yourself that uh, it's not the same car. And so, like the lines and stuff that me and Scotty talk about, and the lines and stuff that me and Scotty really work on and drive. Like, it's it. You do have to drive her car different than that. Like, you can go in and drive those lines. But I went out on Sunday, kind of opening my lines up a little bit and um, and end up going like by half a second faster or something like that the next day. So there is a lot more room um, to interpretation between the two types of cars in those lines, for sure. Sure. I'm curious, um, like back to back now with Scotty's car, not to, to jump too far ahead here, but just while we're kind of on the topic, right? Like still compared to Scotty's car and. Um, I know you put down a pretty hot time in Scott's car too. Um, so I'd say the, uh, I'd say that, uh, -oh, my internet's unstable. Anyway, we're probably good. So I, the crazy thing, so I drove Scotty's car at a, a pretty much the same kind of part of the day that I drove my yellow car and the two cars feel so different. But the cool thing was, is like, so I'm looking at my data. And so like the session start for me driving Scotty's car was 1245 in the, after, or in the afternoon. The session start for me driving the, my yellow car on a previous outing, you know, previous weekend, it was at 115. So I think as far as the time of the day goes, you couldn't get really much better than that. Um, and I think Scotty's car was, me driving Scotty's car was like six thousandths or three thousandths like three thousandths of a second difference between the two cars but the feel is wow. so different i mean i was talking with him i was like the car his car feels narrower than my car it feels taller um <laughs> his car feels less compliant in the turns which is kind of strange because uh, i expected it to be softer in the turns but that could be we were talking about it could be related to sway bars um and the car felt different in the straight line too it was, it was a lot, it was, and we had the power thing where the car was cutting out. I'm sure Scotty will talk about that a little bit too. So even that played into like how the center diff, I'd imagine how the center diff worked. Cause when I would get on the power in my yellow car, the car would go straight into like an oversteer situation. Not like a lot, but we're like the back end is chasing the front. And Scotty's car, like trying to drive my same line. Scotty's car was kind of like an understeer first. And then it would, um, then it would kind of track around. But when you have those G sensors and stuff kind of assessing everything, when the car's like, you're getting on the gas, the car's like, sput, 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 and then goes. I think that was a big part of probably how that car felt a little bit different in that scenario. And I mean, and that would put me off my apex by like a couple of feet sometimes. So yeah. um, it, it definitely, um, for me, I mean, it's, it's fun. I really want Scotty to drive the car, even if that means resetting the whole seat and everything, because the car feels like, they, they feel similar, but a lot different at the same time. So, and they're set up a lot different, but also similar at the same time, you know? So it's super cool to kind of have like two pseudo TT4 cars that are both Subarus, like go so closely the same speed 
um, but also at the same time feel so different. So that yeah. was pretty awesome. And two cars is even a really different kind of build philosophy or right? a lot of it, right? I mean, it's the, the Taiku car is simple, reliable, redundant, mm-hmm. you know, comfortable and sky's mm-hmm. the big arrow track weapon, but yeah. lower power too, right? Um, no, so I mean, we're, we're nice. thinking they're probably similar power. Um, yeah. I think Desix may be a little bit lighter than my car. Um, but his car is set up for just tons of mechanical grip where, right. you know, it was w- one of the things we were talking about. I have a ton of arrow grip on high-speed corners, but he was saying nowhere near the mechanical grip that his car has on a lot of the, the, the tighter, right. slower-speed corners. So, I mean, that's, it's definitely an interesting thing between the two cars. And I would love to drive that, the, the super tie car. Um, for one, I can't see over the dash at all. <laughs> You don't need to see. Uh-huh. It's overrated. Yeah, I mean, Cal, I have a hard time seeing the apex of my car, and I sit pretty high up. I actually have yeah. a half inch, half inch spacer in my car just so I can see apexes a little bit better. Um, but but yeah, I, and I've also never driven a right hand drive car, so like, yeah, trying to go drive that car in anger is is going to take some learning for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I'm going to make some changes to the car before Utah. Um, try and get some more of that low speed mechanical grip going. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, the next time we get out, maybe we could drive each other's cars. Yeah. There you go. Well, and, and yeah, I've been thinking about that low speed mechanical grip. So, so we know that the super tight car has some, some wizardry done to the suspension geometry and we still don't know exactly what that is, but every time we come up with a conversation like this, I become more and more curious. Like we've got to figure out or at least try and quantify what is done to that car. And we, we've all, we all keep coming back to, we, we got to know how, how heavy it is. We got to know what it weighs and we've got to know what, what the power uh, that it's putting down is because those are, it's like, it, it's a quick car. You know that it's a quick car, but there's these just really big X factors there for, for what, like, are you, are you really making close to the same power that Scotty? Is it actually less? Is, is it more? And how much is the weight difference? Cause it is a, a lighter chassis, the GD chassis versus the GR. So just it, someday, someday, hopefully soon, we're going to have to you know bring the car down and just go over it, put it on the dyno, put it on the scales, get an alignment on it and, and take some measurements on the suspension, just try and, actually get a more clear picture of what what is going on with that car just to try and like build a better understanding of what it is yep yeah yeah Let's but, like, a, like a 3d measurement rig or something like that like, yeah. to, like either 3d scan it or one of those arms with a little point on it and just touch them don't find yeah. out yeah something cool. um so scotty Let's let's maybe clarify for people what what this fueling issue is or, or the, the the power issue that you guys are talking about with your car. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell it is. Um, I just threw a whole bunch of money at the fueling system. Um, just a new fuel pressure regulator. I mean, we ended up changing out a bunch of relays. I have brand new pumps in. Um, we tried bypassing certain things. We tried. Uh, we tried all kinds of stuff to fix the problem. Um, for the most part, it's just uh, every time you get on gas, whether it's through a corner or in a straight in between shifts, it just 
I guess, kind of sputters. Damn near, it's not backfiring, but it's it's fuel cut. And so top speed on straights is down probably five to six miles an hour from where it could be. Um, but, I, I mean, I still went out and just drove it, you know, and that was one of the things was uh, me and Ryan talked on Saturday, like I wanted him to drive the car, but we were both kind of afraid that it was going to blow up. And then Sunday, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it, Ryan. If it's going to blow up, it's going to blow up. Just go drive it as hard as you can. Um, you know, don't hold back anything. Um, so it's, it's crazy. The car, the car feels amazing everywhere except for that power cut. Um, right. You know, I still... Mm-hmm. I still set a new personal best out there um, by so, almost so even, a second. So even with this power issue, you you shaved almost a second off your personal best time. Yeah. Wow. Because um, that dude's a beast in a car. Shit. <laughs> well, it's, scientist. Scientist uh, over there. I, I mean, it's it's crazy because me and Ryan were also talking about it. Like, it, I mean, there's probably a second, maybe more, in just just the power cut. You know, ju- just being yeah. able to get on the gas and have the proper power wh- when and where you want it. You know, there, there might be a second plus just in that. Because um, it's, it's every time you roll on the throttle, right? It, it's it's mm-hmm. not random. It's pretty much every time. Every time. When, when Ryan was driving my car, I was basically just standing up on the bleachers. I could see turns, turn nine and turn 10. Turn 10 comes onto the front straight. And every time he would come around the corner and get on the gas, you could just hear it. And then it would just, it would just go, um, come through 10, it would sputter. Um, and then there's like a fourth to fifth gear shift halfway down the straight. And every time you shift and, and, and it would, it would go, but it's, uh, I mean, we're making progress. It's not as violent of a fuel cut as it used to be. I mean, before like the helmet, you know, it would cut so bad that your helmet would go. And now it's, it's not quite as bad, but yeah. So, uh, I mean, we'll be sticking it on the dyno here in, I guess next week. Um, Harvey and Jerry are going to try and figure out what the hell's going on with that and, and hopefully get everything fixed for, for Utah. And, and they've, they've been looking at logs and, and it's, it, it's seems to be related to fuel pressure. Just the fuel pressure is not building as quickly as it should be. But, yeah, but why I mean, it's, it's, it's it's a mystery. It's almost like, and I was kind of watching it a little bit going down the straight stretch, and like going that fourth and fifth is like a good time because you're just going straight. And I would shift in the fourth or from fourth to fifth, and you see like the fuel, the boost come up, and the fuel pressure would come down, and the fuel pressure would come back up again. You know, so it wasn't yeah. like, I mean, that's what, and that, and the whole time it's down, you know, it's like, bah, 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 bah. I mean, and then it would come up and it's fine. I mean, the turbo was spooling super fast, but. I just don't understand why that fuel pressure would drop so hard, you know, under boost with that, unless it didn't have like good boost reference, which is we pretty much tied it into all these different spots, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely. I was going to say for the person listening, it's like, that's why you got to have boost reference or whatever. Fuel pump's not keeping up. Uh, I mean, I I talked to Scotty about this for a while and he's tried everything. Like it's a dialed ass system and there's just a mystery hole you know it's like fast and furious like you got a nasty hole in your fuel map you got a nasty hole in your tune yeah nasty <laughs> hole in your fuel map bro yeah so yeah but it's well, not your tune is dialed you know harvey knows what he's doing it's it's a 
a mind blower of a mystery right now. I didn't. Yeah. I was going to have to not think about it to sleep that night after we talked about it. I still. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Man. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, every possible thing that you think it could be has been replaced at this point. Besides, sometimes ripping, twice. Yeah, sometimes twice. So, and besides, yeah. like ripping out the entire wiring on it and just rewiring everything, but we're pretty sure it's not even the wiring. Um, yeah, because you you already redid the wiring to the to the lifter pump in the fuel tank entirely, right. and then after redoing it, then put in a new heavier duty relay on top of that, and then jump the relay. You basically just run the lifter pump at, at full duty all the time, and it's it's still basically not not doing what it needs to do for some reason. Basically, every configuration out there that we can find to do the fueling system, we've tried, and it's it's. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's, 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 it's kind of frustrating just knowing that, I mean, a new personal best. Yes. But I was nine thousandths of a second off of getting into the 37s. And, and it's, so, I mean, just knowing that it's there um, and how I, pr I probably could have got there even with the fuel cup, but went back out on that next session and trying to push and just made mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, the, the, the red mist was not working Yeah. Uh, on, on that, that session. So I, I came back and was pretty much over it, told Ryan to go drive it, see if he could blow it up. <laughs> it's kind uh, of funny too, talking about being in the 37s, like what was your predicted time? Uh, what was your best predicted time this weekend? Like a 37, four. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely 37s in that car for sure. Especially it's so hard to be consistent with a power issue, especially a, a, a tip-in power issue, because it's you guys have all mentioned it now. And I mean, I had similar issues weekend too. Like when you expect the power to be there, it's so much a part of the handling of any car, um, but especially yeah. four-wheel drive car with active center diff. Um, yeah. You know, it you need that even for the car to locate in a corner where you expect it to locate, or you're blowing. Right. Or you're nailing apexes and curbing and stuff, and it's, mm -hmm. it's and it's a distraction. It's a little delay in power, you know. It's it is also a, just a complete mind. Is it going to blow up this time? I roll on the throttle, or this <laughs> time, or this time? So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I think the last event you drove was at High Plains, and it basically the fuel cut prevented you from you, last time. You, you basically would not try and drive through it. So you just, you basically just limped the car with the fuel cut and even still did set a pretty darn respectable time. Not as good as your best, but it was, it was a, a still a quick time. This time you're, you're trying to drive through it, but it's still, it's still a distraction. It's still something that's there on the forefront of your mind as you're trying to get around the track. Yeah. And, and I didn't want to pop the motor. I mean, that definitely wasn't an intention to pop the motor, but Never also do. like, just so frustrated and just wanted to drive. So I, I felt like if I, the motor pops and then it just pops, but I had to go out there and, and push um, more than anything, just trying to keep in front of Dussex. Cause he goes out uh, tomorrow, right? Yeah. Or you, yep. You're head, heading yep. down there tonight. So you'll be out there all weekend with SCCA yep. running the SCCA time trials. And, uh, He's taking the super tight car out there and he, you got to beat a 138.009, right? Yeah. 
I, I know the car's got it in it, man. I know. I know. It does, it, I know it does too. <laughs> and I'm excited so, for you to actually get it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did mess with the boost controller on my car uh, yesterday, and I just cannot get it to hold boost. Like I cannot get it to hold more than 15 pounds of boost at redline. Like at like low speed, I can get it to jump to like 21, 22 psi. But as it comes like up, as the RPMs climb the um the boost just falls off and the best i can get right now is about 15 at redline so i'll have you know a lot more torque coming out of some of those digs you know like another like a good example is like kind of when you're coming up five you know and you got that right hand sweeper like right. through 6a and 6b i think i'll have some good power out of the dig there but i mean the top end power is going to be pretty much exactly the same like i don't know if it's because i think a big part of it is with that that way that, that our boost controller, my boost controller set up is it's you, it just basically sets one, one um, duty cycle. So, and if you get a tune, they can dial the duty cycle back as the RPMs increase, but that's just not how this boost controller works. So it just needs the, that's what it would need, you know? But um, I mean, we'll see 15 pounds of boost. The red line is still a lot better than 13, which is what I had before. So well, okay. this is, which what turbo is this? Speed on this straight? Uh, i think my top speed all on the, answer all of them i think the top speed on the straight was 117 um okay. so and that was when i ran that 139 something or another uh but uh and this is at pueblo and it's the blitz uh spc id so that's the boost controller i'm running right now it's basically the old boost controller from my uh, blue card so and, yesterday and the turbo which which turbo is it Oh, okay. It's the VF. I think it's the 36, the, the 36. titanium one. Okay. Yep. Is it twin yeah. scroll? Yep. Yeah, it's a twin scroll. Twin scroll. Yeah, and ball yeah. bearing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and ball bearing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, so I learned that I had to do the learn part, and Scotty and I talked about this with the boost controller. So I basically set up like a 15, 17, and 19 PSI, and then got them all to learn. But the one thing I noticed is like 15 can hold 15 the whole time. 17 can hold 17, but it would taper down to 13. And then uh, 19 will hold 19 and then taper down to like 15. And I was like, all right, that doesn't seem right. So then I just went in and just was like, all right, 22 PSI, what do you got? And uh, went in there and it was like 22 PSI and then it would just taper all the way down to 15. So then I went into the manual and set the duty cycle to basically 95% at uh, like a four or five gain. And the best I could do is 22 and it would come down to uh, um, come down to fifteen, like fifteen psi at redline. I was like, all right. So, I wonder if you're looks pushing like past your wastegate, maybe. Like, I uh, mean, if anything, you would see a lot. Of, you'd see more boost, right? Well, if you're creeping, but if you were if you were pushing the wastegate open with exhaust pressure. Oh, maybe. I see. I see. I mean, it's probably an old wastegate spring too, and they're not hold closed. They're only they're sprung closed and air open, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, it's, more preload. but that with the twin scroll, the stock twin scrolls have two doors. So like right. the, the chances of having a boost creep issue is I would say almost zero with that. I, yeah. It sounds to me like it, the VF 36, we, we ran the VF 37 on the Pike Speed car for a period, which is basically like the non titanium version of it. And that should be in the same ballpark. I think 36 is a little bit bigger, maybe. No, the same size. The 36 is just ball bearing. Okay. And it's journal bearing. And, and like the most that we can make out of that thing was about 300 horsepower, but it made like 340 foot pounds of torque. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's 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 similar in size to a stock STI turbo, so it, it does kind of yeah. fall off in the upper RPM range just because the compressor yep. wheel's not big enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I had similar power numbers too when I ran one. Um, both with a two liter and the two five made the big torque, but still whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but it's got twice as much wastegate door area for the pressure for the turbo to be pushing on as that yeah. pressure comes up as your airflow comes up. Hmm. Uh, so I wonder if maybe putting more preload on the wastegate arm um, would maybe help that hold a little bit better. You'd have to redo all your or stuff. You can't put a new spring in it, right? And you can't yeah. put more pressure on the wastegate. Uh, um, but you know, I wonder, or just drive it because it's still a great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. drive it. <laughs> I like just drive it. I mean, the upside, yeah. the upside wise is that when it would hit like that 22 PSI spike in like that 5,000 or 5,500 RPM range, the thing never got like leaner than like 10.6 to 1. So, wow. yeah, it was still hella rich. <laughs> so at least there's that going for me. Um, and the other part of it too is boost is relative, right, to restriction to flow. I mean, it is a spec C version 9 spec C engine. So it is just possible that, I mean, the number – the number is just a number and then I just need to not fixate on it so much and just drive it the way that it yeah. is and yeah and just and just you know appreciate that it's not blowing up that it's got plenty of fuel for what it has and and uh, and just go from there but I'm definitely coming out like that's the thing is knowing that like Scotty ran that 138 flat pretty much um, I know I got to come out swinging big time trying to trying to knock those numbers down and I'm instructing this weekend, so I'm actually not going to get to drive uh, the whole weekend. So I'm going to drive one session a day. So I've got to go and do it in two or three laps in one session each day. So wow. it'll be well, pretty just, interesting. Just give everybody the brush off for the, the first session of a day. Just like yeah. it's, that's, it's and cool. that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go drive first thing. I'll take care of the rest of you guys throughout the yeah. day. But the first yeah. session is mine. Don't, yeah. Don't, yeah. And don't that's, screw up. And that's what, and that's what I did at high plains, you know, and it worked out really good. Um, and so, and that's what I'm going to do this time too. And it's kind of nice cause we'll have half the traffic. So, uh, um, maybe even a little less than half cause now we have, we'll have two run groups this time. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going out there to try and lay down. I mean, I'm not going to do a 133 or 135, but I think your car's got 135s in it potentially, you know, get everything sorted out and have like that perfect condition day. Right. But, uh, um, I don't know that my car, will have that much in it for sure but maybe 137s yeah. though it's got i bet it's got 137s in it for sure Absolutely. yeah and, the, and the, it, do you have another event at pueblo this year because we're um, done with nasa there yeah i don't think so i don't think scca does either um because mostly because they can't really they're going to lose money this weekend they can't really afford to run that event um so they're going to lose money but we'll go back to high plains a couple of times and I'm actually going to bring the super tight car out for NASA. And, um, since Dan and those guys were super awesome and gave me like 20 gallons of free hundred octane fuel, feel like I'm obligated to uh, bring the super tight car out there and see if I can't run 57s, uh, 157s out there. Cause that car's got easily that. in. I mean, I did a 138 and it was two wheels in the air. So I think, uh, or 158. So I think we got, got some time there for sure. It's, it's, uh, one of the themes of this episode, I think, is just how like much of a driving force competition is. When you when you've got somebody yeah. that you're right there with, like you and Jeanette, you and Scotty, Tasso, you yeah. and Kern. I mean, it's just yeah. And you guys are all like focused and motivated on on just like eking out any kind of tenths of a second that you can just to get a get a leg up on the competition. 
Well, and we all have our own goals, but to have that, yeah. like that friendly rivalry, you know, just always having that, that carrot. Um, like Ryan hasn't even beat me, but I'm still trying to beat myself <laughs> so that he can't beat me. And he's, he's out there trying to beat my time every single time he's out there. And I mean, Tazo, it's the same with you and Kern for the last couple of years, just like, just back and forth and always trying mm -hmm. to one up. Yeah, there, there's something about knowing that you cannot let your guard down. You cannot yeah. like like phone it in for even one session because you've yeah, got a guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even Giannis is is uh, putting together like a, a time stamped, uh, you know, like not overlay but compilation of his onboard video, Kern's onboard video, and my onboard video, so we can you know, we can compare segments, and try and find out, and. Um, you know, so it's, I love, and he's going to share it too, right? I mean, he could do that um, and yeah. we could all do it and keep it to ourselves, right? I, I don't have yeah. the little prowess to put that together, but, but you know, the, the fact that he's willing to share that, I think says so much to me. And I think it's so, it's so awesome that it's, it's that kind of competition, right? And that's the whole point of the syndicate. We're ultimately, you know, we're not technically on the same team, but we're all on the same team. You know, right, yeah. this isn't like Red Bull versus Mercedes or something like that, where, contracts and retirements are at stake here right um you know it's we're all trying to just get rad and go fast and that's yeah. <laughs> it's yep. largely bragging rights really when it what it comes yeah. down to yeah. <laughs> why you gotta go to high plains now if you guys are all in the 50s shit i gotta go knock some seconds off that's yeah right that's right wait till, <laughs> wait till you get the guys guys get down into the 12s with me <laughs> yeah, two minutes two minute and 12 seconds <laughs> I got that Miata I got put together. Then we'll then we'll go. Yes, yes. I'll fight with the Miata all day long. Right. I tell you what, Jeanette was super frustrated with her car at High Plains because she just did not feel like the car had the top end power that she thought it should, and she was just struggling. And so, talking about being in the twelves, I think the best she did um, at SCCA time trials weekend was like a two hundred nine, and um, and she was really kind of battling herself more than anything. But when she was looking at her data time, like her data with uh, Another friend of hers ran 206s. Um, her top end speed wasn't really any different, like on the straight stretches, than these normally aspirated BRZs were. Hmm. And but her cornering speeds were all way higher. Like she was slowing down a lot less. She's carrying more speed. Like her suspension was doing a lot more. She's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And we compared it again, you know, with what those dudes are running this weekend, and uh, it was kind of the same thing. I might've been going one, maybe two miles an hour faster in the straight stretch and her BRZ when I ran that one, um, 48, three or four. And those dudes were basically just two miles an hour behind me on stock stuff. So I kind of, you can hmm. see that there's a, the car definitely has more power in the mid range. Like it definitely pulls out of a corner and stuff, but her car's heavy with the cage and with the supercharger, her car's um, maybe not optimized quite yet. I mean, E85 would probably make a massive difference with the supercharger for like cylinder cooling. But for this weekend, basically I drained like that supercharger intercooler, whatever you want to call it, the aftercooler. That thing runs, um, it's got a 50-50 mix of Subaru coolant in it. So I drained most of that out and we're running water and like a, a water wetter product to uh, try and see if that can help pull some more of that heat out on the top end. And, and since she's going back to Pueblo this weekend, she's going to get a good back-to-back -back feel mm -hmm. um, of nice. that, uh, of maybe the difference that that may or may not make. So, 
Yeah, so yeah, this I can't, is I can't say cool on coolant. I have to run water. I mean, this is engine coolant, right? But same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes a difference. Well, and, yeah, and this I is mean, they just sorry, just to clarify for people, so this is the Edelbrock supercharger for the BRZ. So it sits on top of the engine, and it's got uh, a root style blower in it, but it has mm -hmm. an air to water intercooler built into the manifold that that right. houses the the uh, supercharger. So that's yep. that's that's what we're talking about as far as the fluid. Uh, this yep, and it's got its it's got its own pump too. And another thing I've been kind of skeptical is if the is the pump running all the time. Um, so if um, we've been playing with it a little bit and it goes through like a cycle and then stops, but um, we've been playing with it a little bit to see if it's actually moving. So that's going to be one of the things that Jeanette's going to check that when she comes in off of a you know an outing on the track, is the fluid is it actually circulating fluid still in the reservoir? And if not. I mean, we might just hot wire it so that it runs all the time. I mean, you just never know, like, all these little things. And sure, like, the car, is, it still feels decent. I mean, it's not as abrupt as it used to be with the power really cut out. But because um, the mid-range power is still there, it's just that top end is just – it feels like there should be a little bit more in it. And uh, um, and so, I mean, trying this different – this I mean, water wetter, just any surfactant inside that um, inside of that system is going to help shed a lot of heat a lot better, so – Sure. We'll see. What, and we'll probably data log this weekend too. So for the most part, what fuel is she running? Is she still just running pump gas or is she running race gas? Yeah, or pump yeah gas? she's running pump gas. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think if anything, I'd imagine that if the IATs get to a certain point, it just pulls timing a little bit and yeah. it might be just so, so gradual. You don't really notice it. Um, but like in the corners, that car is a monster, like, like out of the corners, the mid range on that car is big and fat and beefy. Like, we're going up through fourth gear, like up through the S's and stuff of Pueblo up the hill. And, and that car is pulling it like it doesn't even care. Like it's not labor. Like you look at the other BRZs and they're like shifting 86 times, you know, just to get through there to um, carry as much speed as she's able to do with just one gear. It's like the mid-range power is there. Her cornering speeds are definitely there. It's just something about the top end is just not – It's it's super subtle, but it's just when you look at the data from one car to another – like, dude, this car's got, you know, 90 more horsepower, supposedly. Like, why is it only going two miles an hour faster? Right. The fact that our car's probably 300 pounds heavier than the other cars is probably part of it, too. I mean, it could even be her arrow. I mean, she's got no fender liners. She's got no undercarriage stuff. Almost all that stuff has been ripped off or broken. And, I mean, and it could even just be that. It could just be drag. You know, she could have just that much drag with those cars and it makes that much of a difference. Well, she needs to stop it? hitting cones. She, yeah, she needs to stop hitting everything. Rodent too, right? <laughs> yeah, rodent. You know, the, when we were out that day on the dirt track. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, bit, she's got, yeah. yeah, she's got a nice crease in her rocker panel. I mean, I give it up to her for not give like she is we're talking about the ain't care before, you know, in a couple podcasts yeah. back. She definitely takes the ain't care approach with that car, which is awesome. And I think if she needs to get her head back to where it used to be when she was driving like lights out all the time. And, um, but I know she's heading that direction. I'm not a slouch. So for her to beat me by like such a narrow margin is showing that she's making, it's not just her, there's something else going on, you know? And so, uh, well, so I think that's if, good. I mean, I think we're heading the right direction. Yeah. Well, and if the top speed is off, I mean, that's, it's mm -hmm. kind of, you guys, you guys have had some, some frustrations with the BRZ similar to what Scotty is having currently with the fuel. Like yeah. you, you've, we have talked about it yet, but you've had issues with the, the belt uh, coming off the yep. jump. The oh, tensioner. Um, yeah. Just a lot of inconsistencies and in where it's, 
it's, there's been a lot of obstacles to to uh, prevent you from getting to the point where you're just behind the wheel and just driving, focusing on driving versus yeah. like trying to pay attention. Like, is the supercharger still spinning? Because like with, if the belt jumps, the issue, like uh, I've had a little mm-hmm. conversation with her that drives the water pump too. So if the belt comes yeah. off, not only is, is the supercharger not turning, but now there's no coolant flow through the engine, which is not ideal. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of pieces that you're just kind of like a little bit unsure of as, as you're going through these runs. And, and if, if it just feels like it's down on power on the straights, it's just like, well, that's another kind of thing to get in your head. Another distraction. Yeah. Well, and I you mean, put it's a so new funny. tensioner on, right? Yeah. New tensioner. And I think it's actually so made didn't a massive difference this time. Nope. Nope. I mean, considering we haven't broke a belt at all. Um, she did high planes on that tensioner. And then we both co-drove a Pueblo. So, I mean, that thing's got basically four or five days of track time on this one belt. Another thing we noticed, too, is that um, not all belts are even by the same manufacturer or made the same way. So she bought her initial couple of Continental belts from Amazon. And we put them on. And, I mean, one belt literally lasted one session. Like, some of those belts were breaking that fast. So I was like, listen, like, let's just go and get belts in stock today. Like, so we have belts or whatever for high planes. And because uh, we, we broke a belt even out on the track out here and uh, and it took a bunch of wiring out. So we've had to fix and piece that stuff back together and kind of like protect it as much as we can. And um, and it's even to the point where the belt's hitting the hood. So the wow. uh, uh, the tensioners helped a big deal. And she got uh, we went when we went to AutoZone that one time to pick up a couple belts. There was like it was a higher quality belt, like it was softer in a way. And it was like, it wasn't as like, didn't feel as brittle. And we're like, Oh man, maybe we're just getting like, it's like Alibaba belts rebranded as continentals on Amazon. You know, like there's so much fake yeah. scammer shit out there. Yeah. So um, we went back to that same auto zone to go get another belt um, as a backup for this weekend. And nope, it's a uh, kind of the cheap belt. So it's almost like wow. you have to shop around and find the good continental belts because those ones are holding up so much better than, than the, I mean, they just feel drier, you know, and they're like, the edges are more squared off and they like, you can kind of see like in her nice belts, like kind of like a fiberglass kind of iridescence to it, you know, like a checkered spat, like speckle to it. There's something, there's a reinforcement in those nice belts that the other belts just do not have. What if it's like a same age, brand, like same part numbers and summer. everything. Some are old, some are new. Maybe it's a different batch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe different outsourcing. Like some of the belts are made in Sri Lanka and some of the belts are made in China. Who knows? Like, and, and so I almost feel like we're to the point where she might go around to different parts places um, where she can physically hold the belt in her hand and like, nope, I don't want this one. Yep, I want this one. And, uh, um, and just try and buy up all the good belts. Yeah. She's, she's going to be the, the crazy belt lady. Yeah, good oh, going man. into all these auto parts stores. Like, no, no, that I don't like the way this one feels. Yeah, and people are gonna be like, <laughs> oh, like "What is wrong with this lady?" Yep, she, she, so she reason, uh, damn it. Yeah, yep. But she knows, and we know that she knows, and it's okay. Yep, yep. It's funny because they told her she's buying two of these belts. She's like, "Oh, these have a warranty on them." Like, "Oh yeah, they got a two-year warranty on them." Like, so if I break one, I can bring them back and get a new one. He's like. Yeah, as long as it's still under warranty. And like those dudes have no idea. So she's already <laughs> she's coming for them. Oh, yeah. She's already taken a belt back that she already broke and has took it back to get another one. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, and it's, you know, they're just computer guys. They just punch in the computers. Like they like don't even care that the belt's like two weeks old. 
Just well, if, it's, if it's broke, it's broke, you know. That's right. For sure. Cool. Man, it's the, the other cool thing is you guys have got so much going on that like it, it, there's pressure to try and find solutions to these problems, but you don't yeah. have to wait a long time to test the solution. Yeah. So I, I tell you, being out here at PPIR, it's just way more invaluable than I ever thought it would be. Like, say if I, if Scotty, if I was having the same issues that Scotty's having, instead of waiting till like an event or till I can get onto a dyno, it will literally be making these changes, go out there and run and see what happens. Like, ah, oh, that wasn't it. And make another change with a goal run. It's like, fuck, that wasn't it either. I mean, it's kind of been like that with the boost controller. Instead yeah. of like just winging it and hoping I have boost, I literally was able to out here and set all those maps up and fuck with it and go out there and do some more laps in it. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the testing, it, mm-hmm. you cannot underestimate the value of testing, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Or the, the, the pleasure of living at a racetrack. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, or pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up, but, uh, you know. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good gig if you can get it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Man. Absolutely. Well, as we are winding down here... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, that was all the, the topics that I wanted to cover. Was there, were there any other standout uh, things to you guys for, for either one of these events, the hill climb or from the, uh, from the track at Pueblo that you wanted to mention? I, I embarrassed a, a lot of really fast cars out there, and it was, it was fun. You're, you're making I, a I, habit of that, and, and it's kind of <sighs> cool. Yeah. It, the, Saturday, I was getting beat by both Vipers. Um, Sunday, I first session i actually beat both of them there was two tenths of a second between the three of us um but then the dude in the red acr viper packed up after his first session and just left and i don't know if he was bummed that he got beat but but it was uh it was it was kind of fun to go whoop up on some 10 cylinder vipers in my little yeah. four cylinder so that dude home that's yeah <laughs> i think yeah. i think i even made that joke when you were like in between the two yeah. vipers i was like hey aren't you missing like six cylinders right it's just like a crazy number to think about six less cylinders like and, that's and super like nuts a, a 2.5 liter versus i mean what are those what are those v10s in the viper is it seven eight liters? liters or eight something liters? Yeah, I mean, the, they have the nine liter Viper, but that's that's bored out. I'm pretty sure they're eight liters. Yeah, I mean, they're all normally aspirated, no force induction or anything. But I mean, <laughs> those cars are impressive cars outright, and to be beating yeah. those cars is pretty pretty spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it goes to show like what how well how capable a Subaru can be. I mean, uh, as people are listening to this, uh, hopefully you've listened to our last podcast with Professional Awesome and those guys. Awesome. Awesome guys. Really loved having that conversation with them, but definitely I would say it's fair to say that they're not Subaru fans. Yeah. You know, they, <laughs> they favor other platforms more than Subarus and that's, that's fine. But like to have a Subaru that's like stomping on Vipers. Yeah. Like that's Vi- it, it's, Vipers and vets and yeah. Um, yeah. I got, I, I got a Camaro I need to take out now, but yeah. that's going to be tough. Yeah. That, that guy can drive. Well, well, Jason Mack. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Well, in, in Tasso, for, I guess this just came to my mind. So, so Jeff Swart just unrolled this, this Porsche hill climb car. And I think he said that he's coming back to drive Pikes Peak next year because that's the 100th running of the race. Or at least that's, that's what's kind of being talked about. 
I mean, do you get a sense that uh, he is is kind of setting his sights as using the Colorado Hill Climb series as kind of a, a warm up for that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, at least what he told me when I asked him about what he's up to and stuff, I, he was just using Monarch as a shakedown for Land's End. Um, it's a, I mean, that car specifically is now a, for better or for, for whatever it means. It's kind of a gravel setup at this point. Um, so to, to that, I don't know if, if, if this is part of some warm up. I know what he said though, is that he, he missed the Colorado Hill Climb Association stuff. The last event he ran was like 2005. Um, yeah. and wow. it's, uh, I mean, it's, it really is a good group. You know, he said it's a good group. You know, I was out just for two years and, and kind of missed racing with the, with that crowd. You know, if it's, uh, you know, I, I, in my little, you know, semi-professional race car driver and amateur tattoo artist skill level, uh, <laughs> you know, I have, you know, people that come up to me, fans, you know, that, you know, one gave me a um, um, young Salida, who's out there with her parents all the time, made like a little um, like picture box kind of thingy of like a picture of my car, a little trophy and stuff like that, just to just to make to give us. And you know, for as grassroots of an organization as you know, dirt bag of a race operation, I have um, to have that kind of support that says a lot about the organization. So it's um, yeah. You know, said that he missed the missed the group and missed racing. They're they're fun. Cheap laid back weekends where you good to go real fast on great roads. So it's, yeah. you know, I could believe that he was trying to get his hill climb. You know, I, I can't imagine that a guy like Jeff Swart ever loses his hill climb feet, but if he was, try, if he was trying to get <laughs> feet back underneath him, you know, I could believe that, or, you know, I could believe what he said was just that it's a, it's a good time. It's a good weekend. He lives in Colorado too. So it's, yeah. You know, it's it's his local race series. And, you know, I said it once, I'll say it again. Colorado is the heart of motorsports, especially on gravel in the country. So hmm. no place else has what Colorado has. And it's, uh, you know, it's fun. It's a, it's a good time. And so, I, you know, <laughs> I guess I talked all the way around your question. Um, <laughs> so, maybe. no. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's uh, you know, I, I think he was just out having a good time with yeah, it's a car in a in a beautiful part of the country. So. Yeah. Well, it's just you know yeah. if it, if word is getting out and it's work comes back, I mean, it just you know maybe maybe there's going to be an even deeper field. And I mean, yeah. honestly, like for for a lot of track days, I mean, sixty to seventy cars, that's a pretty good turnout for for a weekend event. So if car is already there, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that thought. <laughs> it just wandered out. It is. It's, it's not every weekend. It's that busy. Some <laughs> some races yeah. are a little less, but but it's uh, it's it's well attended. It's well organized. You know, it's it's loose, right? You know, in any anything at this level of competition, when you got guys like Ryan of DSX Motorsports are organizing a whole TT competition, <laughs> you know. It's, you realize it's, it's fellow racers that are putting this stuff on. So, you know, we're, you know, everybody is working their ass off, but stuff comes up in a weekend, right? It's not, um, you know, it's, you have to be kind of flexible and loose and stuff, but they're, they're such fun, such fun weekends. And it's, uh, they're, they're well attended already. They could be, 
you know, I think that the Colorado Oklahoma State Association is a, is a national level spectacle, right? Or more, right? especially on gravel anymore, right? There's hill climbs still around the country and around the world, but there's no other gravel series that I'm aware of. Um, you know, so yeah. I think, you know, what we're, I'm, that's the reason I'm doing it is because it's badass and I, I believe that it's badass and I love mm-hmm. it. So, you know, and, and it's the, the thing that, that, I know is appealing to you about it too, is that it doesn't, the, the rule set is not that restrictive. So like if you Man. wanted, <laughs> if you wanted to add 150 horsepower, whatever, if you wanted to really try and push the limits of what yeah. you power wise to the car there, it, it's, you're not going to get a big penalty in the rule set and you're just kind yeah. of really like you, you guys that are, that are in close, close uh, times with each other. That's, you know, it, it's the motivator to like, okay, what, what can I come up with? Can I, can I improve my driving? Yeah. Can I save weight on the car? What, what edge can I find to actually utilize? Yep. Um, and you know, those of us in the class are the ones that made those rules. So yep. we were able to, to do Funny the, how that works, right? Right. Yeah. We made a fun rule set for us to race right. under. Imagine that. Yep. Can you, can you imagine <laughs> if the Formula One drivers got to make their own rules. They're like, okay rockets on it and uh we got machine guns and yep. what well, i mean i don't probably not right but but it, you know, it's a uh, it's um it's so much fun uh, and awesome. it's cool to have jeff's work there there's rumors i don't know if i said this on the podcast or if i'm supposed to say it even that there's um a couple other names that you know um average listener out there um names that you've heard of um in the motorsports world that might be showing up to land's end um some fast cars I will probably be outclassed pretty hard, but that's okay. You know, we'll, uh, it's part of the fun. You know, we'll we'll drive our ass off and see what we can come up with. Um, are, are you and your car gonna have to hit the Jim Connor up to get some? Uh... Yeah. We're gonna have to, <laughs> to get after it. Oh, I don't man. know. <laughs> I mean, our rules are loose enough that I have a, a displacement limit and a drivetrain layout. The displacement can't be over two point six five or whatever it is, and Drivetrain has to be as factory and four wheel drive for the all wheel drive class. So, front engine, four wheel drive, and then 2.65 liters, and then recognizable as the original make and model. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit, the nice. uh, Pikes Peak, um, Tacoma, or whatever it was, Tundra could show up. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a small displacement car, too, right? Yeah, just big ass turbo. Yeah, uh, that's recognizable. It's like a Tundra to me, or whatever. Tacoma T100. <laughs> Bend it. Come on, Man. come on, Reese Millen. Where is that thing? Someone got it. Someone's it's, got it. I'm sure. Garage. Yeah. So I don't know, but, but yeah. So I wandered on here, but a good time. Right. Well, well, let's let's wrap this thing up, and and uh, yeah, just want to thank everybody once again for listening, especially if anybody's made it to the end. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate uh, you guys sticking with us and listening. And um, yeah, I guess I guess until next time, we'll just call it good here and say uh, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning. All right. Well, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for thanks for making this work and uh, take care. And we will talk to you all here real soon.